This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. program it is logan gordon and peter klein along with you for sportsnet today from the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios for our friends at doug lacy's basement systems you can visit them at dlbasementsystems.com hour one in the books lots of hockey talk brad kilgudis says he got an offer from the calgary flames among other Canadian teams this offseason. And we spent 30 minutes mocking him. His teammate, Troy Terry, his new teammate, Troy Terry, in Anaheim also uh, getting a nice deal. And we spent 30 minutes mocking him. At least 30 minutes mocking him. Yeah, Troy Terry signed 7x7 with the Anaheim Ducks. And our NHL offseason in review continued. uh, Chatted all things Washington Capitals with Tom Galletti. You can catch our one of the podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Podcast goes up literally just moments after every hour finishes or when Cam finally decides to do some work around here. That's right, buddy. And upload the podcast. (laughs) That is the voice of Cam Hughes. He's one of our outstanding producers. The other being Taylor Dingman. You'll hear from Taylor a little bit later on today. She's got your Jays report. Getting you caught up after a disheartening loss to the Baltimore Orioles, which I'm not quite ready to talk about yet, yeah. but we're going to save it for the next hour. Yeah, I'm still not emotionally nope, ready not for that. I have noticed suppress, that... Suppress, suppress, suppress. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> um, I have noticed that Cam takes a lot of like verbal abuse here, and I am split what do you on... Mean verbal abuse? Uh, well, physical as well, I suppose. Um, but no, um, I, I'm split between um, kind of feeling bad that we uh, make fun of him so much, and kind of feeling bad that we don't make fun of him as much as he deserves. It's <laughs> it's a real split, which probably means we're doing it the appropriate. Yeah, amount, I think that's but. I think that's exactly what that means. Yeah, it's about finding a happy medium. You yeah, know? exactly. What's deserved and what's not. Okay. He still yeah. shows. Yeah. Up. <laughs> that's enough of you. <laughs> you said your five words this hour. Me now right, get yeah. back to work. All right. <laughs> Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you that doing? Great. You just want to tell you're doing fantastic work over there. Yeah, okay? excellent job. Don't Thank stop you. what you're doing. No. Thanks. You could rub off a bit of work hard on Cam. That'd be great. Yeah. Trying to drag that team along, and we appreciate yeah, it. You're doing God's work over there, Taylor. We appreciate you. Uh, With some... old Cam Troy Terry over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, you wouldn't want to invest in long term. <laughs> Troy Terry. Cameron Radko Gudis. <laughs> Radko Gudis. Troy Terry and, and Cam Hughes. Wow. Yeah. That's really oh, weird. Brother, this guy stinks. Who wouldn't I want to invest in? Okay. Don't trust okay, Gilbert Arenas. You're not coming along for the long term. <laughs> Cam Hughes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah no, no, that's term. about right. Yeah. Seems accurate. Brutal. Uh, some CFL talk, football hour here on Sportsnet 960. Stamps 
getting set to take on the undefeated Toronto Argonauts this weekend at McMahon Stadium. Going to be a tough one for the Stamps. They're beaten up, but they're still looking to get things back on board against the undefeated Toronto Argonauts. Back at practice uh, at McMahon Stadium this afternoon. Let's get you caught up with the latest on the Calgary Stampeders. Here's your Wednesday Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. This, this is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. The Calgary Stampeders returned to the practice field on Wednesday ahead of their Week 9 matchup with the undefeated Argonauts. Early on Wednesday, the Stampeders announced one signing to their practice squad, long snapper Maxime Latour. Kadeem Carey also ramped it up as he looks to return to action this week. Here's Coach Dickinson on the signing, Carey, and of course, what type of challenge the Toronto team presents. Well, Aaron is, has, a, has a muscle pull, so, but he's played with multiple muscle pulls last year, but we're just trying to make sure in case he can't go that we got a guy ready to go and he looked good today. Okay, speaking of looking good, uh, how would you assess uh, Kadeem Carey and his state already? He did look pretty good, so um, I mean, watch it though closer, but he made cuts. He was in the hole in and out. Uh, happy to see him out there. Um, Millsy was sick today, so obviously if that's the case, that's what we'll do, and uh, we'll make that decision when we have a little bit more information. The Sargos defense, they allow a lot of yards, but don't allow a lot of points. Let's, what do oh. you see when you look at I don't see a lot of yards getting allowed either. I really don't. I think at the end of the game, yeah, I know, but I watched the SAS game and, you know, they, they, they did win the yardage, but they, I thought Toronto had them down early and, and you know, whether or not they just kind of played a little bit more uh, don't give up the big play type of mode, but who knows? I think they're great defense. Uh, they have no injuries. They've been together. They're big, physical. They're confident. Corey's doing a great job coaching them. So we got a work cut out for us. Uh, hopefully we rise to the challenge. Do they do anything different? Yeah, they do. Of course, put his own stamp on things 100%. Um, and that's great. Um, tough guy not to like. He's one of the best, and uh, he's a great coach as well. They got Beller over there, too. They, they've got some, some, some good pieces, and the players, though, are really uh, the ones that have bought in. And we got to rise the challenge. We feel, we feel like we can uh, get some things on them, but it's going to be uh, one of those games where we're going to have to rise up. Do you, do you think Kadeem coming back will, will affect the passing game? Passing good, good, yeah. Um, kind of more. You don't know what the other team's gonna do if they're just gonna play us how they play us. You know, Mills has done a nice job. Um, he has, uh, you know, but obviously Kadeem kind of has that extra gear and that extra swagger, I guess. Um, so I mean, if it's not this week, I'm sure he'll be playing soon. Uh, but uh, if he's healthy, let's go. Flo is always a popular guy around here. What, you know, what makes him so dangerous? <coughs> in defensive yeah, I, I know. I want to be a little careful with talking about other team's players but he's still to me he's just one of the, the great people in the world and uh we, we were sorry to have him leave um but you know you certainly can't blame it uh, he's doing a nice job uh, and uh fits into any team he'd fit into any team and he's doing a good job out there coach when you're bringing in new players via trade free agency nfl cuts what is the ideal time to kind of get them used to your system when it's in season well i mean it depends if they have any cfl experience or not you know there's obviously guys that have been up here it doesn't take them long at all Depends with position too. You know, like a receiver, I think you can do it if you got a guy next to him that can coach him and can kind of communicate what's what's required. Um, DBs also, you know, are you a man team or a zone team and switch man team? So it just kind of depends on who's out there. I definitely think a pass rusher is the easiest one to fill in at because you're just going to get get the ball, get the quarterback. And I think offensive line would be as tough as any because the yard off is just something different for these guys. You mentioned Silas Stewart potentially being back yesterday. Um, your linebacker's been pretty good this year. Where does he sort of, is he coming in relief? Yeah, well, I mean, 
he was fighting for the starting job and might have had the inside track coming into camp and then uh, it just has not worked out for him. He, he's still probably uh, he's still probably going to be in at least another week. Um, and whether or not at that point he can get on a roster, that's, that's one of the things I guess competition decides. A good note on Silas Stewart there at the end as well. More healthy bodies is a win for this team. One player quickly acclimating himself back into the red and white is receiver Mark and Michelle. Four games since rejoining the Stampeders after four seasons away in the NFL. Michelle has nine catches for 178 yards and two touchdowns, both coming a couple weeks ago at home against the Red Blacks. Our Matty Rose had a chance to speak with Markin following practice. We're here with Mark and Michelle. We're getting set for Heritage Night, and Stampeders are going to welcome the Toronto Argonauts this weekend. Uh, you've had a few games to get in, get, un- get it under your belt. How is things feeling for you right now? Things feeling pretty good, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, obviously you're going to have some ups and downs, especially when you're trying to get your legs up under you. But I feel like um, coaches have put me in great positions, and the guys on the team have helped me a lot to be able to get into a strand, uh, smooth transition. What's the receiver room like this year? You coming in, it's a whole bunch of different guys from the last time you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely still energetic, still fun. A lot of the guys in there, man, they love the game. You can see the passion in the way that they work. Um, it's just a little different with me being one of the older guys, so that's that's the major difference. But other than that, man, we're still out there flying around having fun. Tell me about some of these Canadians like Luther Akunavanu, a guy who uh, wouldn't have been here last time, but uh, kind of feels comfortable here as a Stampeder now. Absolutely, man. Um, that's like my, my dancing partner. Uh, that, he, he replaces Kamar. Mm-hmm. Me, me and KJ was always dancing or doing something that kept you know everybody around us energetic and happy, and I feel like he's probably that replacement for, uh, for KJ. Tell me a little bit about Jake Mayer, different than the last quarterback you were here, but tell me a little bit about him. Man, that man is awesome. He definitely helps a lot when I'm out there. When I need help with certain plays, all I got to do is look to 12, and he's going to make sure I know what I'm doing. Um, like I said, he th- throws a catchable ball, a great ball, puts the ball where you need it to be. So I feel like you know we're going to make a lot of noise this year. Was it... I don't want to say frustrating because I don't think that's an appropriate word right now, but just the way that things have been going, you guys have been close, mm-hmm. but just haven't been able to get it over the line. What is that emotion? Um, you, you hit it on the head, man. It's okay because the thing is it's sports, and we're all competitors, and we have a passion and a love for this game, so it is frustrating, especially when, when we put in the work that we put in and the way that we approach every single day with such a, a, a grit and, and, and an attitude. So when things when we fall short, man, it's frustrating. You know what I'm saying? And it just it, it happens. It shows that people care. What do you have for former teammates on this Argos team that are going to be coming in here this weekend? Man, come on, man. If I, if I, if I listed that, we'll be out here all day. That's, that's half the locker room, man. But at the end of the day, it's all love off the field. When we get on that field in between those lines, we at each other head. So it's going to be fun. What's the energy going to be like because you're defending home against guys who used to call this home? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to, energy going to be up. Energy definitely is going to be up because um, they, they probably coming in this thinking that this is still home for them, and it's not. You know, you chose to go another, another path, and that's all right. We still got love for you. When you come in here, it's our house. Best of luck, Mark. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Just two wins in Montreal since 2013, and they haven't actually played in Montreal since 2019. A lot has changed in the league and the world since then, so maybe it'll be a different story on Sunday. Stamps have just one more day of practice Friday before flying out to Montreal on Saturday. With your Stampeder Report, I'm Patrick Dumas. Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that. Uh, yes, uh, Calgary Stampeders in action this weekend, uh, on Friday, I should say. Uh, coming up uh, for a game against the Argos, six and zero Argos, two and five Stampeders. Uh, interesting tidbit after practice that we're hearing here, uh, PK, that uh, Cam Judge was seen in a walking boot and crutches. Yeah, that would be less than ideal uh, for a defense that has already been banged up. 
Um, they come off of a uh, pretty good outing uh, against Montreal last weekend, but now going up against uh, a Toronto offense that has been absolutely rolling to to start this season, to, to be missing one of the remaining healthy linchpins on this defense would be a real difficult loss to take for for the Stampeders. So hopefully that is just precautionary, but that would be a real big blow to the, the Stampeders team. Yeah, already uh, doing better than I thought uh, they would have done losing Jameer Thurman. Micah always come in, played really, really well in that middle linebacker spot, helped reform that pairing with Cam Judge uh, for the Calgary Stampeders. But now, I just, man, I think you know, Trey Roberson was out last week. James Vodders was out last week. Uh, the, the amount of injuries, and look, any injury hurts everywhere. That's Captain Obvious for today. But the ones to key players on this team just continue to hurt them. And I just, you, those are the guys that, uh, look, I, you can scout as well as anybody in this league, PK. You can't replace guys like that no. week to week. No, you you really cannot. Um, luckily, uh, Roberson was a, a full participant in practice yesterday. Uh, we don't have that report necessarily for today just yet. Uh, but yeah, like this is, and, and we, we've talked about it before, it was next man up, next man up, next man up for the, the Stampeders. But there is there is only so much water you can take on as a franchise before that, that starts to, to really come back to bite you. But man, is this a bad time to be having injury issues going into this schedule that we talked about. Um, earlier in the week where they are home against the Argos. Then they have to, to travel out to BC. Then they got to host Winnipeg. Then it's on the road to Toronto um, before the, the Labor Day clashes with the, the Edmonton Elks. So this is the murderer's row portion of the season. You want to be going into this one, A, playing your best football, B, as healthy as possible. And the Stampeders have chosen C, none of the above for how they're going to be going into to this series of games here. It's, it's going to be a very difficult stretch for Calgary, I think, and one where we're going to learn a lot about a lot of players on this team and how they handle a lot of this, uh, I guess, um, a lot of these issues going up against the, these top teams in the league. Uh, we're at week nine already of CFL action. It kicks Jeez. off with a dandy tomorrow night by. in Winnipeg. How about this one? Winnipeg Blue Bombers 5-2 and two, hosting the 6-1 and one BC Lions. That might be your game of the week, kicking things off on Thursday night football. Uh, Saturday, you've got the Montreal Alouettes and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That could be an important game, PK, knowing how close those two teams are. Yeah, that's Start huge. figuring out season series, who's got the edge. Um, you know, obviously, Bo Levi Mitchell, unfortunately, back on the six-game injured list. So, probably be Taylor Powell getting back in, in the starting role for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, I don't know if that's a problem for them. I'll be honest. It's hell. Like, I, I, feel, okay. I feel bad for Bo, but I, I don't know if that's much of a downgrade there. At this uh, point. Montreal won last week against Calgary, but I wasn't overly impressed with some of the things that they've done. No, no, that their offense had some struggles uh, defensively. They came up with a bunch of turnovers, but I do also think some of that was more Calgary's doing than Montreal's doing. And then uh, Sunday night in Saskatchewan, you've got uh, Jonathan Crum and which Crum will you get which way will it crumble which, which way in will saskatchewan? the crumble uh in saskatchewan is it uh good jonathan crumb that beat winnipeg in calgary and back-to-back overtime showings or is it the jonathan crumb last week that uh couldn't score more than 12 points uh against the hamilton tiger cats who gave them five interceptions um and what exactly is going on with the saskatchewan rough riders and mason fine it it has a potential to be a good game. I just uh, it could be also a terribly quarterbacked game yeah. as well. 
it's an important game. Um, when we talk about Montreal and Hamilton, odds are, hot take here, one of those teams is going to win. Um, yeah, I know, big. But if Ottawa does get a win against Saskatchewan, that then puts um, three East teams ahead of the, the Riders, and then you're getting into crossover territory and and those sorts of things, um, it, it, which is something you have to watch for when the third-place team in your division is below 500. So th- this is getting into important territory for Saskatchewan as they continue to stay ahead of Calgary, which is great. But this is an offense that has struggled severely. They have just 138 points on the season. Um, I have not been a fan of anything we've seen from Mason Fine so far. And I'm going to need to see a lot to believe that he is the guy for this team going forward. Uh, Who's in better shape heading into Thursday? BC or Winnipeg? Winnipeg's coming off of a bye and are at home. Mm-hmm. BC is coming off of a bye in Edmonton <laughs> where they shut them out 27 nothing for the second straight time and probably didn't have to exert much effort to do mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm, that's half a joke. Um, but I'm really looking forward to Thursday because it's not Vernon Adams at quarterback for BC. It's Dane Evans who's yeah. filled in admirably. But I, I think we've seen the BC offense struggle um, without Vernon Adams uh, throwing and running ability in there. So I'm curious if BC can maintain this because it'd be big to get a two game lead on Winnipeg mm-hmm. with Vernon Adams, you know, working his way back. And if you're able to get a two game lead with your backup quarterback in there for first in the West, that sets you up nicely for the back half of the season if you're BC. Yeah, and I think actually having him in the lineup last week against Edmonton really does help that they can kind of figure out like you're not getting a ton of resistance on the let's see what doesn't work aspect of things or the what does work, but at least you get him comfortable with the offense. You get him comfortable with the weapons around him going into this matchup against Winnipeg. I still do favor the blue bombers in this. I I think that Winnipeg still has one of the best coaching staffs in the league and giving them a full week to prepare for this BC lions matchup. Again, the game is at home. Uh, Winnipeg looking for revenge after BC was able to to upend them earlier in the season that this is going to be a really, really fun game. And yeah, if BC can come away with a win in this game, then all of a sudden four points clear of Winnipeg. And it feels like Toronto is the only team that is capable of stopping the Lions. So while it would be four right around the midway point of the season, it, it almost feels insurmountable the way BC is playing. But to have these two teams be tied going into Labor Day season and all of that would make for a really fun second half of the season in the West Division. And not that the Stampeders can afford to look past the Toronto Argonauts, but if you're Dave Dickinson and company, probably going to be tuned in on Thursday, knowing that next week you're in BC. Yeah. And the week after that, you get to welcome Winnipeg into town right. again. Yeah, you're, you're. it's a little daunting when we're talking about, oh man, this could be the game of the week. This could be the game of the season. Two of the top teams in the league. By the way, you play them both in the next two weeks. Ooh. But no, like this is, and again, like you want to see where Jake Mayer is at. You want to see where some of these players are at. These are the measuring stick games. The Toronto, Winnipeg, and BC are where you want to be and where you have been before. So let's see how you stack up. Let's see how far away or close you are to to some of these teams. I do not project that the flame or the, the stamps are going to, to like those outcomes, but you're at least going to, to have... Um, like right there out on the football field, which tells no lies, you're, you're going to be able to see what goes on and where your team is at. Uh, this is an interesting piece of news just coming out a few moments ago uh, to oh. CFL-wise. Uh, Argonauts have released wide receiver Markeith Ambles. Oh! Uh, Ambles, 31 years old, had career highs across the board last year, helping the great Ar- Argos to the Great Cup. 
Uh, 72 passes caught for 737 yards and five touchdowns. Um, spent previous three years with Calgary, helping them win a great cup in 2018. Hasn't made the field for the Argos this year with an ankle injury, but recently returned to practice uh, before being released. So uh, clearly feeling that they've got better options with Devaris Daniels, Dejon Brissett, Curly Gittens, mm-hmm. uh, and company, but an interesting name added to the free agent list. Um, I don't know if there's a Stampeders connection there, if there's money to be spent on a receiver right now for the Calgary Stampeders, but uh, Mark Keith Amble's a guy that's coming off a pretty good season last year. Can you cover anyone? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like um, I, I do feel like the Stampeders kind of like where they're at receiver wise right now, but he would be an interesting name to to bring back to to maybe help out the, this offense. Um, like you said, though, we don't know salary cap wise or anything like that where everyone's at at this point. But an interesting name out there for sure. Yeah, just and, and purely and I'm not I'm not trying to, to say anything about the Stamps receiving core. I think they're a good young group. I just I wonder if another veteran in there, you know, to help the young guys around a bit and. Um, you know, obviously it's not a, a national status guy. He's from Houston, I believe. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit harder to fit those guys in. But yeah, nonetheless, had a good year last year. Yeah. Um, the, the name that, that kind of catches me is uh, Bishop Sankey, who was released from his XFL contract, someone who has ties to Calgary, uh, as well as Saskatchewan. Um, he, I think, fits a bit more of a positional need for the Stampeders right now. But um, we'll, we'll see what that, that dollar figure comes in at. But yeah, he... Just any help that this Stampeders team can get right now. Uh, while, while I do like the receiver room, I don't know if there's one spot for Calgary, aside from probably the quarterback, but that's more organizational than it is me, where the Stampeders would be like, no, 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 no. We're good right now. But kicker would probably be the, the other spot where they're like, ah, no, we're set here. Uh, week 15, uh, not week 15, holy, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Week 9, <laughs> CFL action kicks off tomorrow. BC Lions, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, followed up by the Stamps and the Argos on Friday We'll have Stamps reports Thursday and Friday here on Sportsnet Today, getting you set for the Stamps-Argos game uh, at McMahon Stadium. But we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Continue the football conversation, this time heading south of the border. Every year, Mike Sando from The Athletic has a uh, quarterback tier list with commentary from 50 NFL coaches and execs who were uh, granted anonymity to share uh, their evaluations. So we get 50 league insiders who placed 30 veteran quarterbacks into tiers. We'll find out who uh, tops the list of NFL quarterbacks, where some veterans rank out. Uh, really excited for this chat with Mike Sando. He's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet Today rolls on on this Wednesday edition. It's Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you. Training camps underway across the NFL. PK, we got a Hall of Fame game this week. Tomorrow. Zach Wilson gets the start for your New York Jets. <laughs> not your New York Jets. Not mine. Do, do not put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> uh, it's the Browns and the Jets from Canton, Ohio. That means football is right around the corner. Three weeks of preseason. And we are set for another exciting year of NFL football. And around this time of year, for the last 10 years or so, NFL quarterback tiers. This is an awesome piece by Mike Sando of The Athletic, where he goes in with coaches and executives, placing 30 veteran quarterbacks into tiers. 
and getting a, a look at the landscape of NFL quarterback, the up-and-comers, who holds top tier, where guys rank after a couple of seasons. And uh, this year's edition just came out the other day, and we're lucky enough to have Mike join us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Mike, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, the quarterback tiers edition 2023. Uh, anything uh, about doing these the last couple of years that continues to surprise or intrigue you as these lists come out? Oh, I'm always intrigued because you want to see, uh, number one, is anybody going to break into the top tier, right? There's people who get close. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, you know, Lamar Jackson was an MVP and he went right to the top of tier two and people wondered, you know, God, why didn't he go higher? And it's a little bit of the same thing this year with, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. I knew he would come up a lot, but how high would he go? He went to the top of tier two. So people want to see, you know, maybe one more year, uh, you, you know, before putting him up in that top group. I love those sorts of things. This year we wanted to know, hey, how far is Russell Wilson going to fall? Is Geno Smith going to skyrocket? What do people think about, uh, you know, players like Justin Fields, who've done a little but need to do a lot more? Tua, great production. God, everybody put him in Tier 3. Why? <laughs> you know, those types of things are all really, really interesting. Uh, PK? Yeah, uh, you, you brought up the, the name that I had at the top of my list. I was one of those people who who saw Jalen Hurts in tier two. I was like, boy, that's, I mean, th there aren't many tiers above him, but I thought he would be in the one that is. Um, <laughs> is, is it really just, let's just see it one more time from him before we, we buy into to Hurts as a, a tier one quarterback? Yeah, I think so. You know, he, he's in a situation where when he first came into the quarterback tiers a couple, three, two, three years ago, he was 30th. You know, he was probably tier four. People didn't know much about him. Well, then he jumped to 20th. Hmm, this guy's got something you know, going. And then this last year, he went to sixth. So I think it's a nice progression, very similar to Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen, there was a year there where he was high, too, and, and they were going, come on, he's not in tier one yet, and he got there. But I think you know a little bit more uh, proving yourself over more than one season and then in some more difficult situations, right? They had a great team around him, great offensive line, great wide receivers, Good defense. They were usually way ahead. He barely threw the ball late in the game. Didn't have a ton of two-minute situations to prove himself in. Those sorts of things that kind of put the icing on the cake and and confirm that you belong uh, in the top tier. He's you know still got a couple of those things to to do, and it looks like he's going to. With Josh Allen, um, it, it's probably splitting hairs. There are six tier two votes. Um, it, it felt like he was the toast of the NFL town a, a couple of years ago after that wild game against the Chiefs. They, they lose it when, when he doesn't get the ball in overtime, um, and everyone's ready to kind of anoint him the next one. Uh, were you surprised that there was maybe a, a little pushback at, at Josh Allen being a tier one quarterback? Uh, not really, because Josh Allen actually his uh, – grade improved from last year. So mm. last year he had, th he had 11 votes in tier two. So he went to six. So five more people put him in tier one. I think, um, you know, he clearly carries that team on offense and sometimes he does it too much. You know, he's got <laughs> too much on his, on his plate. Like he, he really, he's the, he's the leading rusher and the passer, you know, it's a lot, but um, you know, the, I think what skewed the perception a little bit this year Yes, he rose and, and had a better uh, grades, but Burrow rose faster and passed him. I think by the end of last year, people felt like, okay, Burrow's ahead of Josh Allen, and it created the appearance that Josh Allen was going backwards, but really Burrow was just 
going forward a little faster. Mm -hmm. um, another one that, that uh, kind of caught my eye is Deshaun Watson uh, coming in uh, 11th on the, the rankings, uh, and he's in Tier 2, but he got a, a vote in Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, and, and Tier 4. So a, a lot of mixed opinions on, on Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously, uh, as a dude, not great. Um, as a quarterback, last year was a bit of a stumble. Are the people putting him in Tier 2 just kind of writing that off as, it's been weird around him for a while. Let's see what uh, a full season is like with him. Yeah, I think he had risen to, you know, be in the tier one conversation before all that stuff unfolded in Houston. And he ended up sitting out most of the year. And, and uh, when he returned, he was really bad. I think if he had returned and been really good, uh, you know, he might, he might be in tier one. Say, okay, you know what? Wow. He shook off the rust. And we can see what he's going to be with a whole off season. But instead, the six games he played really raised questions uh, about, hmm, that was especially bad. So where's he going in his career at this time? General expectation is that he'll get it back enough to uh, probably rise a little bit this year uh, after having more time kind of to get his bearings in Cleveland and reps with the offense and play a whole season. But there's some uncertainty, or else he would have been higher. Mike, you mentioned uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, curious about where the drop off would be for him. Was the the drop expected for you to to land lower than tier three, or is this right about what you thought you'd see from from different NFL execs after the year he had with the Broncos? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought he could possibly go lower and get more tier four votes. You know, I thought people could have closed the door on him a little bit, but he does have you know a history of playing well. I think. You know, from last year to this year, he fell more than any quarterback has fallen year over year in the 10 years I've been doing this. But if you go back and look at the last several years, you know, going into the 2020 season, he was unanimous tier one, 50 out of 50 voters. The next year, it was 40 out of 50. The year after that, it was 15 out of 50. This year, it's zero out of 50. So there's definitely some decline that was picked up even before last year. And that kind of feeds into the question does he how much does he get back just because Sean Payton's there and it's the answer is probably some but not all you know he's he may still be a tier three quarterback or fighting his way on the border to get the two I guess in the opposite realm uh, of where we talk about Russell Wilson dropping oddly enough we go to Seattle where Geno Smith saw himself rise up this board quite a bit and that wouldn't surprise anybody knowing the kind of season he had how sustainable do you think it is for Geno Smith to maintain the kind of play we saw from him last year. I think generally sustainable because it was built on things that are sustainable. He was an accurate passer. He was had good poise. He uh, led the team well. Didn't seem too big for him. He has good weapons back. You know, I think uh, they should be uh, at least as good, probably a little bit better this season. But I think the question is, how much better can he get? Right. And that's where people kind of think he maybe is what he is. And he, maybe another season like last year, right, you know, elevates him in tier three. Uh, but there's still some skepticism if he's going to go much higher than that. Uh, I think Peter asked you about the quarterback that, that saw the most variance in, in Deshaun Watson. I guess the next kind of guy that uh, I look at on that list that, that kind of saw variance from the, the polars was a guy like Tua. What does it take for guys like a young quarterback like Tua to, to get the, the trust of NFL execs when it comes to this sort of list and seeing them rise up in your experience, Mike? Yeah. 
Well, one for a player like two is you got to be on the field more, right? I yeah. mean, he hasn't been able to be a reliable as a starter. So that can dock you, that can dock you a tier, you know, Hey, you got to be in the games. And then I think, uh, for him, uh, you know, the offense was really set up in a manner with those, with the play caller, Mike McDaniel, and then with those wide receivers who are really elite to give him really clear, good looks, you know, and he wasn't disrupted very much and he was able to just play pitch and catch with these guys. And he's very accurate when he has on schedule, but when teams were able to disrupt a little bit, he's not the sort of guy that recovers well from that and makes the second play. Uh, and so I think, you know, fair or not, a lot of the evaluators and coaches are giving a good portion of the credit for what success Tua had to the system and to the players around him, which is always a debate, right? I mean, how much do you give the player? How much do you give uh, the other factors? And in, in this case, I think he's losing credit to those other factors, kind of like Jared Goff does with Ben Johnson or Sean McVay as his mm -hmm. coach, you know, kind of like people do for the 49ers because they know that, hey, they can plug in Garoppolo, mm -hmm. they can plug in Brock Purdy, and with Kyle Shannon's offense, it kind of looks the same. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where that's where two is at, right? He would have to kind of uh, stay on the field, continue to produce over a whole season, and then do some things beyond the system. Mike Sandals along with us this afternoon, NFL senior writer for The Athletic, 10th edition of the quarterback tiers. Uh, we're talking all things NFL QBs right now on Sportsnet 960. Uh, PK, you got some more from Mike here? Yeah. Um, Kyler Murray is a, an interesting one. Uh, I feel like when you look at the cap hit uh, going into next year being $51 million and you see him in tier three, the, the, the math isn't really mathing for, for Arizona there. That seems uh, a little bit uh, concerning. When he is on, it yeah. looks like a video game, which is ironic considering some of the criticisms around him. Do you think that, that there's still a world where he bounce back, uh, bounces back into being someone who can move up into the, those top tiers in the NFL? I think that, that, yeah, I do. I think it's early in his career. I think he can mature. I think with the right people around him, that could happen. The issue is that he has a torn ACL, and he may not be ready to play at his previous level this season. And by the way, there's new leadership in Arizona. They have a bunch of draft picks next year. They could have the top pick in the draft, and there's good quarterbacks. Caleb Williams, others available in this draft coming up. So there could be decisions to make for Arizona that affect Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's I'm very fascinated uh, with what goes on with Kyler Murray and with Arizona. I think that they are a really intriguing team. Uh, another one that, that kind of caught my eye, uh, Daniel Jones with the Giants. He just got a, a brand new shiny contract. Uh, and he's, I think, been a polarizing quarterback amongst some, uh, where there's some upside, but also some decision-making issues. He seemed firmly planted in, in Tier 3 with 43 votes um, going in that direction. What do you make of the, the, the Giants' pivot as New York hopes to take another step this year? Yeah. So I think that's a situation where Daniel Jones was in a bad situation to start his career, didn't really transcend it, so he gets, you know, his stock is low. And then Brian Dayball comes in from the Bills as the new head coach, and it looks a lot better. But they're not really putting running the offense through Daniel Jones as a passer. They don't really have the weapons to do that. And so the, a good share of the improvement, the credit goes to uh, Brian Dayball. And so uh, here's Daniel Jones kind of having to, 
to to maybe have elevate even more, right? Or or prove it over another season. He did rise. He was one of the bigger risers, but the excitement around him is tempered by the fact that people felt uh, that the system uh, was responsible for part of it and that they weren't really putting it on Daniel Jones' shoulders. So maybe this year with better weapons, continued growth in the system, uh, Daniel Jones makes another step and continues his rise. I'm curious about your thoughts on the quarterback position as a whole right now. Um, we've had, like, obviously Trevor Lawrence into the, the league in the last couple of drafts. Justin Fields is still a maybe. Uh, but uh, we, ha- we have Zach Wilson from a, a very high draft pick a couple of years ago. Mac Jones, jury's still out on that one. And we've had some very talented quarterbacks leave the sport in the last little bit. There, there is no Brady, Manning, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Ryan uh, around anymore. What do you feel is the, the overall health of the quarterback position in the NFL as we head into 23-24 here? Well, it's certainly good with those young guys at the top. I mean, Tier 1, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you know, Justin Herbert, uh, uh, Josh Allen. I mean, these are all guys who five years ago weren't in tier one, right? So it's nice. It means those guys can be there for years to come. And then there's a couple guys in tier two that might be able to join them. We talked about Jalen Hurts. We're waiting to see on Deshaun Watson, maybe Lamar Jackson. And then who knows who's of this rookie crop that's coming in or, or in the year after that. It seems like, you know, they they keep replenishing enough so that there's always four or five guys at the very top, which is kind of what it's been. That's probably what it's always been. Four or five guys, maybe in a, you know, when things are really great, six, seven, eight guys up there. But I think it's pretty good. I think we had uh, some guys filter out of the bottom that, that we were probably tired of having in there, whether that's Carson Wentz, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just a handful of players like that, Marcus Mariota, that have kind of been retreads, you know, in the mix. And they've been replaced by a lot of, unknowns you know Desmond Ritter Sam Howell those guys may fall flat maybe a couple of them hit but at least there's a chance that they have some upside because we know that the Mariotas and and Carson Wentz's we sort of know what they are uh so I I I think it's pretty good uh Mike just a couple more for you before we let you go and speaking of sort of that tier four of quarterback that we have on this list I was curious to see a guy like Brock Purdy Garner, even just one tier two vote in the small sample size that we saw him in. In your experience doing this, how often does a guy in tier four vary into even a couple votes as high as tier two when we have such a small sample size of them? Yeah, it, it, you, know, you talk to 50 people, you're going to get a range, uh, you know, a range of opinions. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it happens. You know, you're going to have. There's going to be a 50 people. There's going to be a couple people that love the guy coming out, right? Or maybe they have a little bit of an easier grading scale. Uh, whatever. It kind of all evens out. But, you know, I think Purdy, is, to me, it's hard when you only have, you know, 10 starts or whatever, yeah. seven starts. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, tier, that's what tier four kind of is about, you know, uh, for the young guys, you just sort of put a four on him unless you saw something that was completely, you know, captivating. He's a player who really performed his duties about as well as you could have under the circumstances, but they were good circumstances. You know, good run game, a lot of talent on offense, Kyle Shanahan, good defense, that sort of thing. So as I look at other guys that are kind of fit his, 
MO. So here's what I'm doing. I'm sorting my quarterback tiers history, and I'm going to look at all the guys that are in the survey for the first time, and they've started between five and nine games previously. Okay, so that gives us a list of 10 players. And then we can sort those players uh, by their best average vote. And so of that group, Brock Purdy's fourth out of the 10 in terms of where he debuted. Number one was Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, going into 2018, actually had one Tier 1 vote, two in 20, 23 in Tier 2, 22 in Tier 3, and 4 in Tier 4, all over the map. Wow. People, there's certain people liked certain things about him. Uh, he came out as a 2.58. Deshaun Watson was next. He had 26 votes in Tier 2. Yeah. Was a 2.6. Uh, Brock Osweiler had no votes in the top two tiers. Uh he was next. Then we had Purdy and Lamar Jackson, kind of similar yeah. distribution. With Remember then with Lamar early in his career, people questioning the passing component. That's why he was a little lower. Yep. And then we rounded out the bottom five guys would be Drew Locke. Uh, actually had one tier two vote, uh, but a bunch in tier four. Wow. Tua had no votes in top two tiers. Dwayne Haskins, no votes top two tiers. Jared Goff had none because, remember, it was a terrible start under Fisher with the Rams, and then Cody Kessler. So that's the range of guys, and you want to be near the top. You know, at the top of that list, there's guys who've panned out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike, it's an incredibly informative article. It's one of our favorites to read every single year, and it's extremely fun for me and Peter to get you on today and to to really dive into it. And we encourage everybody uh, to check out your article on The Athletic. It's, again, one of our favorites. Thank you for the time today, hopping on and letting us uh, grill you about it. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Mike Sando joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Senior NFL writer for The Athletic. His 10th year doing this, PK. And I honestly, if you're an NFL quarterback nut, if you're an NFL stat nut, that last couple minutes that he just gave you about the tiers and where guys have gone over the years should be purely enough for you to go and seek out this article to, to go through every single list and to see where where quarterbacks started and where they go. Patrick Mahomes started this out in 2018 with uh, 41 votes as a Tier 1 quarterback. And then the very next year in 2019, he had 48 votes for Tier 1, and he's been at 50 ever since. Yeah. It's It's, an incredibly informative mm -hmm. look as to how varying NFL opinions are on every quarterback that's starting or close to starting in the NFL right now. Yeah. And these are from the decision makers in the NFL who, who actually have a say in a lot of these things. And so you, you are getting a very good sense of where the league is on a lot of these guys. He's not just pulling 50 fans on like a, a Chicago bears form or something like that. He is going to um, like the, the tippity top of some of these organizations yeah, the list is eight GMs, 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 execs, four QB coaches and three coaches in coaching and analytics. Yeah, so he he is going to a lot of decision makers that you would call those big wigs, I think, in in some other places. Um, And so the thing that I like about it is it feels like it has like something for everyone. Um, If you are a a hardcore football fan, which I would consider myself into that, then you you, you get a sense. Yeah, with the Bo Jackson jersey on right now, um, you you get a sense of where the league is at on some of these guys. And you can kind of like compare and contrast where you are compared to to where the league is. If you're brand new to the league, then this gives you a really good sense of like where everyone kind of stacks up right now. Um, And if you're just in that middle ground and just want to be angry that your team's quarterback is 23rd on this list instead of 22nd, then it it gives you something for that, too. So it's it, it is it sounds like we're 
are blowing a lot of smoke right now, but a lot of work goes into this, and it is really, really informative. Yeah, because every quarterback comes with their profile, comments from everybody, yeah. the the vote breakdown from as long as they've been on the uh, on the list here, and you can really see what guys have have maintained, what guys are coming up, how like I mean, how a guy like Lamar Jackson, and we, some of the ones that we talked about to me were were so interesting. How does Deshaun Watson, who's barely played football, someone give him a tier one vote? Yeah. What did that guy see out of Sean Watson last year to give him a tier one vote, right? And then you sit there and you go, okay, these co- these guys come in on, on the clause of anonymity, which makes a lot of sense because you don't want, you know, your opinions out there on everybody. Yeah. Uh, is it is there a, a 49ers executive that put Brock Purdy that high? Or was it somebody else that thinks he's a tier two type of quarterback already in the NFL? Mm-hmm. It's a really fun article. I really can't. Uh, you know, uh, tell you enough if you're an NFL fan to go check it out. Mike Sando uh, on Twitter at Sando NFL, yeah. or if you're on the Athletic website, just go to the NFL um, homepage on the Athletic, and you'll find it uh, as one of the main articles there. The one that I'm most intrigued by, one of the ones I'm most intrigued by, um, Josh Allen, because I, like I said, coming out of last year, that wild, cra- uh, wild, crazy playoff game against Kansas City, where they fall in overtime on the 18 second comeback, and then the, the overtime was what it was. It felt like everyone in the world was like, oh, this is this is the guy. Buffalo Bills have got this. But then you look at the, the quarterback uh, tier voting breakdown and you see 11 second tier votes. And now this year it's six second tier votes. But he just felt like a guy with all of the buzz around him. Oh, it's unanimous. This is a, a tier one quarterback. And you see the league maybe isn't as on board with that. So it's like, OK, A, is there something I'm not seeing? B, is there something I am that they like they're just not paying as much attention to or or don't value as much? Or like what is it? So it's it's a real good thought exercise to see like where they kind of stack up with your opinion in the league. Cause I I I watch Josh Allen play and there's a couple turnovers where you'd kind of like to have that back. But just given the way he plays, he seems like a lock tier one quarterback to me, but to eleven last year and six this year, that's not the case. Uh thank you to Greg for setting that up for us. Really appreciate that. Hope that's something we can do. Uh, on a regular basis, really enjoyed uh, chatting with Mike today. Uh, you'll get that. If you missed any of it, it'll be up on the podcast for you shortly. Uh, shifting our focus from football now to baseball. I think it's been oh, long enough. Do we have to? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Uh, we've got Blue Jays news, an update on Bo Bichette, and a look back on another disappointing performance for the team against the Baltimore Orioles. That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein, here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.